June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Good morning to you and welcome to CBS This Morning. It's Wednesday, March 24th, 2021. I'm Gail King. That's Anthony Mason. That's Tony DeCopel. We're going to begin with remembering some of the victims today. They're being described this way, truly one of a kind. A hardworking, well-regarded young man a beautiful soul with a warm and loving heart, and a father who represents all things love. Just some of the ways that the 10 victims from the Colorado supermarket shooting are being remembered this morning by the friends and the family that they left behind who are in still so much pain today. The dead range in age from 20 to 65 years old. The latest losses in this country in crimes committed by people using semi-automatic weapons, among them a responding police officer, supermarket employees and a grandfather to be we are also learning new details this morning about the shooting suspect he has been identified as 21 year old ahmad ali Al alwi alissa he faces 10 counts of first degree murder following monday's rampage and we have full coverage from boulder including our lead national correspondent david begno on the investigation but we're going to start with jonathan vigliotti and stay with the families of those we lost jonathan good morning to you Hey, good morning to you, Tony. This is the patrol car Officer Tally drove to the scene. It's parked here this morning in front of the police department as part of a growing memorial. And when you look at it, it's hard not to think of the nine other victims people Tally was trying to save that also didn't make it home. He was a really smart kid. Uh, he was uh, training to be an airline pilot. He wanted to be a commercial airline pilot. That was his dream. To Dean Schiller, 20-year-old Denny Stong was just getting started. He was a good Boulder kid. You know, he was, he was a little bit sheltered. You know, we, we go about our lives thinking that, you know, we can trust society to take care of us. And he was definitely one of those people. He definitely trusted and was super friendly and helpful. The two had spent Monday morning hiking before riding to King Supers together to pick up lunch. They got separated and planned to meet up at Schiller's car. Schiller was already outside when he heard the shots. I assumed he was right behind me, so he must have been at the entrance as the shooter was coming in. Schiller began filming. We've got injured parties on the ground. 911 now, people. Documenting live on YouTube what happened for the next three hours as thousands watched at home. We got people down inside King Supers. At that point, he didn't know Stong was among the victims. I have my moments when I'm able to hold it together. And a lot of times when family come to visit or close friends, it becomes a bit more emotional because we all share in the grief together. Sharing that grief are the friends and family members of the other nine victims. Kevin Mahoney's pregnant daughter, Erica, called him her hero and wrote, you are always with me. 51-year-old officer Eric Talley was first on the scene, rushing to save those inside. 
We spoke to his father over the phone. My granddaughter told me on the phone that dad was dead. And it slowly sank in. He told us how his son joined the force when he turned 40, leaving a comfortable desk job to protect the citizens of Boulder. Did it surprise you to learn that your son was not only the first to arrive here on the scene at the supermarket, but also the first to put his life on the line? It did not surprise me at all. He was, that's who he was. But Tally said his son, a father of seven children, would be embarrassed to be called a hero and that he just consider it part of his job. How do you want your son to be remembered? As a father, as a police officer who wanted to serve, and uh, a person with a good heart, because he truly did have a good heart. And Officer Talley's father said something that struck me. He said initially, as you can imagine, he was enraged, he was angry to hear about his son, but then he leaned into his faith and he chose forgiveness. He says he forgives the man who killed his son because Anthony, as he put it, the world needs more forgiveness and kindness. Jonathan, thank you. Each one of those stories. I'm thinking of the face of Denny Song, who yeah. looks so young in those photographs. He He's he 20, years 20 years old. old. You know, it's just devastating. I just think, guys, the sounds you hear today are grief meeting outrage. Yes. Because we all have been here before. And you know what Jonathan said? He said something struck him. Everything about that story strikes me. Everything yes. about and it. And forgiveness is a very powerful message from that family. It really is. But, but I marvel at when people are there this close to the tragedy. Actually, that they me. find it. Yes, yeah, I agree. Yes, I do. Forgiveness doesn't mean helplessness, though. Things, things can be done, and that's right. the next conversation. That's right. Our lead national correspondent, David Begnow, is also in Boulder with the latest on the investigation and what we are learning about how the attack happened. David, good morning. Good morning. The Associated Press reports that the suspect's family told police they think he's mentally ill, suffering from some type of delusion. He thought he was being followed or chased, and that a relative of the gunman also told police that she thinks she saw him playing with what looked like a machine gun just a couple of days before the massacre started here at the supermarket behind me. People lying in the street, guys. The shooting started in the parking lot, where, according to the arrest warrant, the suspect shot an elderly man multiple times. He's inside the building right now. The suspect then allegedly made his way inside, wearing tactical gear and armed with a semi-automatic handgun and a rifle, and he started firing on employees and customers. And my coworker looked at me, and I looked at him, and he says, that's not breaking glass, that's an AR-15. I just saw the dude hit the floor. Daniel, who did not want to share his last name, was shopping with his coworker. We started shooting in the store, and we started running through the store telling everybody to follow us. The entire building is surrounded. Nearly 50 minutes after the massacre began, an officer arrested the suspect, who was wearing only shorts after he had apparently removed his clothing inside the store. Officers arrived on the scene within minutes and immediately entered the store and engaged the suspect. According to the warrant, the suspect, Ahmed Alyssa, bought an assault weapon less than a week before the shooting. He purchased it on March 16th. The 21-year-old was born in Syria, but he grew up in the United States. His brother told the Daily Beast he believes Alyssa is mentally ill. He described him as paranoid and antisocial, and he says he was bullied in high school. Now, police records indicate when he was in high school, back in 2018, Alyssa was convicted of misdemeanor assault after he punched another student several times during math class. 
According to an incident report, Alyssa claimed that he had been bullied by the student for about a year. But more than two dozen witnesses in the class told investigators that the attack appeared unprovoked. As of this morning, officials here in Boulder have not yet released a motive behind the supermarket massacre. We are going to do everything in our power to make sure this suspect has a thorough trial and we do a thorough investigation. Now, this is interesting. Roughly four years ago, the city of Boulder passed a ban on assault weapons. The intention was they wanted to stop exactly what happened here at the grocery store. But just 10 days ago, a court ruled that the ban was ineffective, right? They overruled Boulder's ban because the NRA filed a lawsuit. And the NRA argued that Colorado has a state law which says local cities like Boulder cannot pass their own gun laws. And the NRA won. Tony. David, thank you very much. Let's go now to Boulder Mayor Sam Weaver. Mayor Weaver, good morning to you. Uh, we watched live yesterday as the names of the victims were read publicly for the first time. You spoke and the city of Boulder began the process of grieving. Now, 24 hours later, how's the city doing? I think we're still just getting out of shock. Um, you know, it is, it is quite difficult to digest um, something like this happening in your backyard. And so I think the grieving is just beginning to start as we learn the names and of course the stories behind the people who were killed. Boulder is a city with a local ban or it had a local ban on assault style rifles like the one used in that supermarket yesterday. Not sure it would have made a whole lot of difference though because statewide they're still available. Yesterday, President Biden called on a federal national ban on assault-style rifles. Is that something you think could have helped in this case? I totally support that, and I think it could have helped, absolutely. I mean, one half of the problem that led to um, the, the events of March 22nd is that the availability of assault-style weapons is too high. Um, the other half is, of course, identifying and, and helping people with mental health challenges. But I think the, the weapon availability is what sets the U.S. apart from other countries. Yeah, the mental health challenges, that is a big component of this, no doubt about it. As far as that local ban goes, a judge in the state overturned it, said it wasn't constitutional under state law. What are your next steps and what is your message to your community this morning about how you intend to do your best to keep them safe? So our next step is to keep pushing on this problem from as many fronts as we can. Um, one of those fronts is I think we're likely to appeal the ruling of that district court judge in Colorado to the Colorado Supreme Court. Basically, the issue at hand is whether a home rule city in Colorado can make a rule about assault weapons in light of the state preemption. The state preemption tells us we cannot. So we'll push on that. We're also pushing our state legislators to put an assault weapons ban in place statewide which is like the federal one that was in place in the 90s. Yeah, the, the uncomfortable fact about shootings like the one we witnessed on Monday as a, as a nation is that they are public events. They create a public terror in their aftermath. People can't go about their business, as you pointed out so eloquently Tuesday, without thinking of it. Is there a plan in the days and weeks ahead for a kind of public memorial, a public grieving process? You know, we'll begin tonight um, with a council meeting. We call it the special council meeting for tonight in which we will hear some words from national experts on getting through situations like this. I know that there's at least one vigil planned for tomorrow night as well. The community can gather and remember those who are no longer with us. All right. Mayor Sam Weaver on this difficult morning. Thank you very much for joining us.
President Biden wants to ban assault weapons in high-capacity magazines, but he faces a steep uphill battle in the Senate. CBS News has learned the Biden administration is now exploring options to bypass Congress on gun reform if lawmakers do not act. Chief White House correspondent Nancy Cordes joins us more, uh, joins us now with more on that story. Nancy, here's the question: What do we know about the president's plans? What are you hearing? Gail, I'm told that the White House is looking at what President Biden could do on his own. But we know that legislation is often more binding and lasts longer than executive action. And so first, the president is calling on Congress to pass some pretty major reforms, a move that surprised even some of his supporters. I don't need to wait another minute, let alone an hour. President Biden is calling for a return to 90s-era gun restrictions. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country once again. It's a tall order for a deadlocked Congress that has struggled even to strengthen background checks, something most Americans support. Inaction by this Congress makes us complicit. A hearing Tuesday showed that fault lines haven't changed. What happens in this committee after every mass shooting is Democrats propose taking away guns from law-abiding citizens. One big change? Democrats now control the Senate and the agenda. Then-candidate Biden promised early action on guns. In my first day of office, I'm going to send a bill to the Congress repealing, repealing the liability protection for gun manufacturers. But the issue has taken a backseat to other major priorities, like infrastructure, immigration, and COVID relief. This administration could be doing executive action. Shannon Watts is the founder of Moms Demand Action. She says the White House has the power on its own to close a loophole that allows unlicensed gun sellers to skip a background check. There isn't a corner of the Biden administration or the Justice Department that couldn't be doing something right now to address the gun violence crisis in this country. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer vowed yesterday to put two recently House-passed gun reform bills up for a vote in the Senate soon. But it isn't clear that there are 60 votes there to pass it. One Democrat, West Virginia's Joe Manchin, said yesterday that he doesn't support it. Still, it will force senators to go on the record, up or down, on this issue, which they haven't had to do, Anthony, in a long time. Yeah, still a steep climb, as you said, Nancy. Thank you. Now to the desperate situation at the southern border, we're getting a new look at some of the extreme risk immigrants are taking to get into the U.S. Manuel Bajorquez is in Juarez, Mexico. Manuel, what have you seen? Well, good morning, Anthony. Here in Juarez, we got access to one smuggler's operation along the border. Take a look. It's complete with ladders to get over the wall and peepholes to keep an eye out for Border Patrol. He told us he's passed 80 to 100 people over the wall over the last six months. The price, about $1,000 for a chance to cross. A few migrant families we spoke with yesterday echoed the desperation many are feeling. We hear the same themes. They say they're fleeing violence, poverty, or the effects of natural disasters. CBS News has learned that due to strained capacity at one sector of the border in Texas, Customs and Border Protection has started to release some migrant families without notices to appear in court. Instead, those families are being given instructions to check in with ICE at a later date. Gail? Manny, thank you very much. 
Thank you for listening to the CBS This Morning podcast. Be sure to subscribe to get daily podcast originals. You can watch the CBS This Morning broadcast Monday through Saturday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on your local CBS station or live on the CBS All Access app. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to CBS Mornings on the go ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS's weird Lord of the Flies-style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. Hi, I'm Misha Brown, and I'm the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each episode, comedians join me to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently on The Big Flop, we looked at the reality TV show, The Swan. The problem, this dream opportunity quickly became a viewing nightmare. They were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts.